I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. This will certainly have an adult theme and might well contain strong scenes of sex or violence, which could be quite graphic. It may also contain some very explicit language, which will frequently mean sexual swear words. Friday the 22nd of November, please look around us. All commercialised. All commercialised. You can't. Christmas one more thing. Nowhere. Yeah, it has. Must have done. There's no meaning to it at all now. What do you like listening to? Um. <laughs> Chart music. Chart music. You pop crazy youngsters. And welcome to a sort of festive episode of Chart Music, the podcast that gets its hand right down the back of the settee on a random episode of Top of the Pops. I'm your host, Al Needham, and my little elves today are Neil Kulkarne. Hello there. And Taylor Parks. Morning, Al. It's a wonderful life. Yes, isn't it? It's it's the most wonderful time of the year Uh. here at Chart Music. (laughs) Boys! The pop things and the interesting things, that's what I want to hear about. Um, hmm, neither, to be honest with you. Um, but a small bit of good news for me, um, which yeah. is, we need this kind of good news um, at the moment. Mm. Um, I've got a new job, sort of. I'm course leader of like a music journalism course in Birmingham. Ooh. Yes. Um, however, this has accompanying worries with it, obviously. I'm going to be working two and a half days a week in Birmingham. And as an accent Ooh. sponge... Um, this worries me immensely, as did, to be (laughs) honest with you, learning that I'm going to be doing three and a half hours with, uh, or several hours rather, discussing this episode of Top of the Pots with Taylor Yim Yam Parks. But um, (laughs) we shall see if, if in... Benny (laughs) Kulkarna. If in future episodes... I do be saying a podcast, Miss Diane. (laughs) Yeah, well, this has to be watched, obviously. So if in future episodes I'm, I'm getting a bit yim yummy, tell me. Um, because oh. I don't want to end up like those people. Um, nothing against no. my brummy brethren. Um, but I saw no. a clip, actually, a few weeks ago of a couple of people from Walsall, um, from Tipton, actually. Uh, which, right. we, yeah, it, it was on this morning. Did you see it? It, it was two old deers who were about 100-odd years old. And Philip Schofield was asking them, you know, the usual secret to their long life. And um, they came up with a black country delicacy, which I'd never heard of before. Um, One of them said, yeah, well, what we like is sausage sandwich. Um, And, you know, it sounds normal. It emerges that they like uncooked sausages. They, They split the sausage open and then they spread the sausage meat on toast like it's 
I mean, it was just fucking gross. And and you would have thought food poisoning would be... Impo- so just mashed up pig on yes, toast. Yes, basically. Because sausages aren't cured, are they? So, um, no. yeah. So I don't want to be partaking in any black country delicacies or the accident in any way. Um, the place is full of Brummies, though. A lot of people will probably think mm. I already have a Brummie accent. I don't. I have a Coventry yeah. accent, which is an accent exceedingly yeah. rare, as our football song says. And I'd like to keep it that way, please. So um, I need that monitored in the new year. Well, I don't think there's going to be a rush of people copying it. So, <laughs> so it'll be like when Manchester was really big and everyone was going, hello, all right, hello. Yeah. <laughs> people from fucking Basingstoke. Taylor, mm. spread the good news, brother. I was thinking back, right, as soon as I knew I was going to be on uh, It's a Christmas chart music, I was thinking back, yes. what's the, uh, what are the most pop and interesting things I've done this year? And I thought the... Most pop and interesting thing that happened to me this year was probably when my cat, uh, to protect her identity, let's call her ATV eyes, um, <laughs> jumped in through the cat flap with a live mouse in her mouth, brought it over to oh. me, put it on the floor at my feet, and then just walked off. Like, unbelievable <laughs> lack of responsibility for the consequences of her own actions. Um, and I had to spend the rest of the night hunting it in my front room I was just sat there trying to relax and suddenly there's this rodent scurrying around totally unharmed um, she's very old and creaky my cat Um, Mm -hmm. but Mm. extremely displeased and I think feeling somewhat out of its element Um, (laughs) in the end I tracked it down it was hiding in the bookshelf between a pile of books and a pile of DVDs just peeping out looking petrified Mm. Um, so I had to slowly slide all the books and DVDs off that shelf and eventually, just the mouse is left there, exposed, shivering. Oh. Uh, and looking, let's be honest here, absolutely beautiful. And I'm standing there mm. with a broom, yeah. and I've opened the front door. Uh, and for a split second, we catch each other's eyes, and I know that he respects me, and I respect him. Oh. And then I jab the broom at him, and suddenly we're locked into the eternal struggle, man versus mouse. Um, which in, in reality looks like a ridiculous silent mo- uh, movie chase with me swinging a broom around like an idiot and mm. you know Jerry zigzagging around the floor and <laughs> yeah. finally got him out into the hallway and instead of turning left towards freedom he turns right towards a pile of my shoes so I swing the broom oh. bang shoes flying everywhere uh, mouse tries to head for the kitchen no 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 bang bang finally dispatch him over the threshold with a perfect golf shot and he's free <laughs> uh, at which point he turns around and sprints back into the flat he's like no nah, nah, yeah, no yeah i'm to be where broom man and that fucking giant monster is <laughs> and this is where i slightly lost my composure and just started shouting fuck off you're not welcome <laughs> and wildly swinging the broom till eventually he shunted back out again and i slammed the door and i look at my phone and i realize this whole process has taken four and a half hours Oh man. It would have been quicker to teach the mouse English and persuade him to leave. <laughs> so I t- take a deep breath, lean the broom up against the wall, go to the bathroom to wash my hands, uh, and pass uh, ATV Eyes, who's sat on a cushion <laughs> staring at me. And as I go past, no word of a lie, she looks right at me and yawns. <laughs> and still I feed her, and still I love her. And this is why I failed in life. And she's succeeded. Um, So, yeah. At least um, your cat left it alive. My one does kill him. 
Um, so I, I don't have to do any of these mammy two shoes type shenanigans. Um, <laughs> but I do get, yeah, a dead mouse deposited on my fucking pillow sometimes. It's um, deeply unpleasant. Oh, yeah. no, not on the pillow. She's so fucking proud. And, uh, um, oh, man, that's... Oh. It's grotesque, mate. It's grotesque. <sighs> and if anyone wants a cat, by the way, I don't want mine no more. She will fit in a jiffy <laughs> bag. Address, you know, just send them in. <laughs> Well, I've got a bit of news. Oh, yes. And it's pop, and it's it's quite ooh, interesting. Ooh. Um, I'm going to be on the story of Top of the Pops 1989. Oh, yeah. oh my fucking God. Yes. On what channel, Al? On, on what? It's going to be on BBC Four on Friday, January the 3rd at oh uh, half past eight. And uh, it's the it's the standard thing they do on BBC Four when they start a New Year's run of uh, Top of the Pops. Uh-huh. They do an hour long documentary where they interview the hit makers and the uh, movers and the shakers yeah. of, of that year. And uh, they asked uh, they asked Taylor, and uh, he couldn't do it, so uh, he asked me. Fucking brilliant! Yes. Christmas telly has just got a billion percent better. That's great. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm shitting myself about it. <laughs> I'm going to warn the pop crazed youngsters now. If you think I sound rough as arseholes, uh, wait until you see me. <laughs> you are not going to look at me and go, oh, was he in Soul to Soul, that bloke? <laughs> and it's awful, man, because, you know, I, I've done quite a lot of telly. And, uh, mm. I mean, you know, it's nice to be asked and everything. It's a minor brag. To, uh, yeah. to to say that, oh, you know, by the way, I'm on telly tonight on Facebook and everything. But every time I'm on, I fucking hate watching myself. Uh-huh. I just sit there. Well, I don't even sit there. I, I'm just hunched on the fucking settee like a, a poisoned rat. Just going, <laughs> oh, fucking hell, look at the state of that cunt. Yeah. Look how he's holding his mouth. Yeah, I don't think yeah. you're alone. But it's like politics, isn't it? Like anyone who wants power should be kept away from it. Anyone who, who yes. is totally comfortable with seeing themselves on television should not be allowed anywhere near the yeah. screen. I've done loads of sex stuff, obviously, because, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a sex person. And uh... <laughs> I've done loads of sex stuff. Yeah. It's my mate's brother used to say that. <laughs> You know when the when the big spate of sex documentaries kicked off in the like late nineties turn of the century. Mm. You know I was about I was doing me um, doing me sexy bits and bobs for mm. women's mags and all that kind of stuff. So I got called on to them quite a lot. It, it used to do my head in every time I come back to Nottingham. Uh, there'd be kids from my old school who'd come up to me and go, "Oh fucking hell, need them? I saw you on Sex and Shopping." And I go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I did." That. He says, "Yeah, it was fucking terrible. I was sitting there having a massive wank, and then you popped up, and I'd be like nodding and going, "Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry about that." But also thinking, "You're having a wank to Sex and Shopping. What the fuck is wrong with you?" I mean, this was pre-internet filth mm. for everyone. But yeah, it's just horrible, man. You just sit there and you just go, oh, man, why did, why did I wear that? Telly's just a way of finding out how shit you look in your favourite clothes. Mm. <laughs> the camera doesn't lie, does it? I mean, I'm glad yeah. that um, every single telly appearance I ever filmed didn't make it onto telly in a sense. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I did a couple of talking head things, I seem to recall, way back when. Mm. Um, but they never made it. Uh, they never made it to screen, thank God. Because I know what uh, I'd be doing. I'd, I'd be sat there going, you shifty-eyed-looking bastard. You look terrible. <laughs> um, and the one bit that did work out or was going to work out was ditched by Charlie Brooker. Yeah, I hold that grudge to this day. Um, but uh, I did do a bit for Screenwipe, but he ditched it. Right. So, um, yeah, but I was, 
you know, it was one of those things where I told everyone, watch this tonight, I'm going to be on it. And then, you know, straight after, where the fuck were oh, you? Oh, mate. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, hopefully uh, never again. I can imagine you sat in your house with a massive table full of, like, cakes and <laughs> unopened <laughs> un- <laughs> cans of beer and that. A load of empty chairs. With a big banner that says, Neil's watching party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you, that's nothing. I was on Farmers Weekly <laughs> talking about comparative milk yields of uh, Cumbria versus Northumberland. Mm. Yeah, so I hope no one ever tracks that down and drags it up it's on YouTube. No, I could never watch it with anyone else. Mm. You know, every time I've been on telly. I mean, when it's on, you just think, why am I doing this? Yeah. And then as soon as someone rings up and says, do you want to tell Oh, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is a man who um, got his cock out on Channel 4 once. Ever told you that story? The stunned silence Um, would suggest not. (laughs) (laughs) They were doing a documentary about mad Americans who do all this crazy shit to make their cocks bigger, (laughs) while at the same time damaging their cocks so they can't get a bonk on anymore. And they wanted, uh, you know, they got in touch with me because I'd written bits and bobs about that very subject. (laughs) Says, oh, do you want to come on and... um, coat these twats down he's like yeah yeah i'm more than happy to do that oh by the way everyone we're interviewing uh we're getting a shot of them with their cock out <laughs> and uh and i said oh, well you know i'll think about that really fucking worried me but i thought oh sorry i'll do it anyway you know i'm gonna get paid and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but at the time i just moved back to nottingham and i was in between houses so i was crashing around my mum's so absolutely no fucking way they're coming round. <laughs> um, that's not gonna happen so i had a chat with a couple of mates they said, look, I'm doing this thing for Channel 4. And they're, oh, Channel 4, oh, yeah, they're bringing a camera crew over. Oh, yeah, all filming in our house. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, I said, yeah, well, look, I've got <laughs> to be in the house on my own because there's a chance of some cock-out action. And they said, oh, yeah, no worries, no worries, no worries. Did the filming with them and everything, and it's right at the end, I thought, oh, they haven't said anything about getting me cock-out. <laughs> and then they said, oh, uh, by the way, can you get your cock-out? <laughs> It's really important that, you know, everyone does it. And I said, oh, fucking hell. What, what are you going to see in this shot? Oh, just your cock. And I thought, oh, well, you know. Hasn't got my name written on it. Uh, how much How much more? Uh, you know, I'm really I'm really concerned about this. You know, you know, £100 extra might, might you know, mm. do it. So they said, yeah, no worries, no worries. Got me cock out. They filmed it. And... Um, I said to him, uh, yeah, yeah, they did it. And said, oh, did you get your cock out? And he said, yeah, 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 of course I did, you know. And they said, uh, where were you standing when they filmed you? And I said, oh, just in front of the fireplace. <laughs> and they said, what, that fireplace that everyone comments on when they ever come in this house? <laughs> I was like, oh, well, shit. Well, never mind. There it is. It's, it's done now. So, yeah, I had a, a very interesting evening uh, watching Channel 4, uh, seeing my cock on a telly. Uh. <laughs> And I knew it was mine straight away well, as well. Would, and the, the worst thing was, there was a montage of cocks and mine was right at the end. So he obviously thought, oh, this is the punchline cock. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> a man has to look himself in the face every now and then, but don't look yourself in the cock ever. Because I just looked at it and just went, fucking hell, man, I've got a really baggy scrotum. I've got an absolute fucking bag puss of a scrotum. They they didn't do like a split screen with your face though, did they? No, no, okay, no. But I knew. Yeah, you knew. <laughs> but you know, I've I've shown my cock to the population of Great Britain. That's very brave you know. of you, Al. Well done. Well, I just thought get it out of the way in one go. Really, it saves time in the end, doesn't it? <laughs> so yeah, 
Story of Top of the Pops, 1989, all past date, Friday, January the 3rd, BBC 4. Uh, after saying all this now, I bet they've cut me out of it. <laughs> but if they haven't, you know, uh, I want to let the rest of Team Chart Music know that they were with me in spirit. Yeah. Mainly because I nicked all your best lines in previous <laughs> episodes of Chart Music. And I'm also a bit worried that I'm going to be the new David in that ABBA documentary, because I, I did say some complimentary things about Stone Roses, and then the remaining 95% of that conversation was about what a load of cat shit they were. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could be a new hate figure on Twitter. But, you know, <laughs> you may cope me down, but always remember, I've been on the story of Top of the Pops <laughs> more than you have. <laughs> so, because it's this time of year, and because chart music never lets down the pop crazy youngsters, we're doing another festive edition, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Looks like it. Uh, Because it's so late in the year and I'm recording this just after I've edited the previous one, the notes might be a bit patchy. So we're not going to do any Patreon shout-outs or a top 10 because I just haven't had time to organise it. So I just want to say that this episode is a thank you to everybody who has put a penny in the old man's G-string this year. It's been massively appreciated. And this episode is dedicated to you, the pop craze Patreons, and also to the people who've listened to us throughout 2019. Thank you. We've rewarded you by not doing what proper Christmas shows do and get it all finished by October. Uh, no, we, you're no, idiots. That, so it's it is mid-December. And, yeah. Hope you like our new direction with Great Big Al. <laughs> but if you want the uh, old school, full length, fist right up to the elbow episodes without adverts, you know what you got to do. Drop a little dollar down that g-string. www.patreon.com/slash/chartmusic. So you having a good Christmas? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking loving it. Spent a, quite a lot of time watching an old Top of the Pops the last week. Uh, yes, yeah, festive mm. with my uh, mm. sheaf of papers and notes. Oh yeah, it's a nice idea, Christmas, and I used to like it a lot when I had the luxury of sentimentality. Um, mm. But it is a hard time when, for one reason or twenty, you're you're trapped outside the fairy lit room and yet you can't pull your face away from the window because mm. every every force that the twin worlds of culture and commerce can summon is pressing against the back of your head and propping mm. your eyes open clockwork orange style so it's not me being a yeah. miserable bastard although i am a miserable bastard but like most <laughs> miserable bastards but you're our miserable bastard oh, but i would yeah. love a chance to be soft and carefree once in a while. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Christmas in my house it is a little bit like Mother's Day in a Borstal. Um, <laughs> well, I say my house, that's a figure of speech. Obviously, I don't own a house, but you know. So yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> As we've already established in the past two years, uh, me and Taylor are not, we're not that down with Christmas. And um, someone like Simon will pull us up on it and uh, be full of the Christmas spirit. Neil, that's your job this year. Well, yeah, I've participated in some Christmas rituals already. Mm. I've um, I've been up the attic to get the decorations down. Um, always, a, always a high point. But I seem to recall getting my dad when he was going up the same ladder to the same attic to get the Christmas decorations down. Mm. Um, I seem to recall him getting more help from the kids. 
You know, oh, I'd really? stand next. Yeah, well, I'd stand next to the ladder. I'd help him a little bit, and then I'd help out decorating. My kids haven't helped bugger all. I've I've been up the attic. It's like a lonely, solitary experience up a ladder, wobbling. Oh, looking at my past up there in big black bin liners full of CDs and tapes that never get played. You know, and and yeah, brought them down. I I, I sort of I've I've done the thing of getting the trees out and up. Um, and then I'm leaving it to my daughters, but they're showing right. a singular lack of interest in decorating. No. Um, the, the main thing is, though, this year, I'm not fucking doing Christmas dinner. Get in. Oh. I've, booked, um, I've booked a pub, not booked a pub, but I've booked a table at a pub. And it's at that nice price of about 40 quid a head. Right. Whereby I can think, if this is shite, yeah. that's not that painful. Yeah. But if it's good, brilliant. And no washing up entailed as well. Nice. Um, departed from Christmas tradition in one sense this year. It's a bit of an earthquake moment for me in as much as I haven't and have no plans to buy the Christmas Radio Times. <laughs> it's superfluous now. Yes. I don't need it. I've got rid of Sky. I've kind of only got a Now TV box or whatever. Mm. So it's irrelevant. So that little ritual of tearing out the holiday section in the middle yeah. and throwing it into the bin with disgust um, <laughs> is... <laughs> It's no, it's not happening this year. Um, I might just buy it just to do that, but it is a five or a pot, so I don't know. Yeah. But um, yeah, changing Christmases, no radio times in my house for the first time in my lifetime. I think. Fucking hell, end of an era. <laughs> so they still have on radio times like a Victorian style painting of uh, upper middle class children in a drawing yeah. room, and on the yes, TV times, do. it's like. Uh, Simon Cowell dressed as Santa. <laughs> now, Radio Times and uh, me parted ways a long, long time ago. Right. Which is a shame because I spent quite a bit of time going through the Radio Times for uh, this episode. And, uh, oh, still still the Proustian rush there. Yeah, 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 with the old ones. But, I mean, it's just, it's dizzying now, the Radio Times, especially at Christmas, because it includes all the blue-in satellite channels and all the other channels, all the digital channels, and... You can't really find what you're looking for. Plus, there's a great way of finding out what's on telly these days. Mm. You turn the telly on. Yes. You know, so it's just irrelevant. But yeah, I'm not saying I'm shedding a tear over it not being part of the house, but things feel different Mm. this year because it's not here. Yeah. Well, it's those those same cultural processes that are putting all of us out of work. They do make our lives easier and more streamlined. Mm. So, Pop Craze Youngsters, this episode takes us all the way back to December the 25th, 1977. Oh, Taylor, we did uh, Christmas Day 1976 last year, didn't we? Yeah. What what kind of changes have been wrought uh, in Popland in 1977? Well, 1977. Who can forget 1977? Mm. Uh, (laughs) We all mourned the loss of Alia Al Hussein, Queen of Jordan. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. The Kentucky Fried movie set the world rocking with laughter. Yes. Uh, and uh, Oscar Romero became the fourth Archbishop of San Salvador. Oh, man, the fucking street party we had for that. Remarkable times, indelible memories. But mm. for me, 1977 was all about being five. So yeah. from my own personal memory... Everything seems amazing because yes. it was my first awakening to culture and custom uh, and human stupidity. You know, it's the <laughs> age where, where you become aware of what's going on around you. Um, and, of course, you watch it back now, it's a bit tatty, isn't it, really? Oh, yes. Mm. In the 1976 Christmas episode, there was at least some forced jollity. 
Mm. Um, whereas this time, uh, it's all filmed in the top of the pop studio without an audience, mm. introducing mm. pre-filmed clips, most yeah. of which was were shot in the same studio, probably a, a different time on the same day, yeah. also without an audience. And then the BBC is dubbed the usual wash of top of the yes. pops canned applause over all mm. the transitions um and it gives it a genuinely eerie feel which is mm, very yeah. wintry and cut off which mm. is sort of appropriate for christmas uh, and i think probably going on the memories of older people quite appropriate for 1977 i think mm. all that make your own fun festivity had sort of uh gone a bit quiet by this point mm. <laughs> I would have been really keyed up for this episode, but yeah. no spoilers or anything. Um, I would have been probably hugely disappointed with it mm. um, as, as a viewing experience as a five-year-old. But being five is so important and so different than being four. Yes. I think it's, it's, the, it's the real start of memories mm. and it's the real start of genuinely remembering things like what you got for Christmas and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, starts happening at this age when I was five as well, just like Taylor. Yeah, there's so many of the songs that appear on this episode... Uh, are among the first pop songs that I was really aware of, yeah. um, mm. for better mm. or for worse. So they seem slightly more interesting to me than they really are, uh, <laughs> perhaps because it feels like they've got something to do with me and I've reached that age where I'm starting to lose interest in things that aren't about me. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've noticed there's a lot, like, a lot of slightly sociopathic things creeping in uh, as I get older. I've started getting quite soppy about animals, Right, which is, mm. you know, you've got to watch that because you start getting like that about animals and next thing you know, uh, you're the next Hitler, you know. <laughs> um, I've seen it happen. Um, but it's, you know, but it's something you have to keep a check on because mm. it can turn you into quite the reactionary. Uh, and if you do keep a check on it, though, it does make life increasingly frustrating as you melt into irrelevance. But, mm. yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, we're in the era, like last year, that the BBC would run Top of the Pops over two uh, consecutive days because there was so much pop amazingness uh, to, mm. to be had. As always, with the Christmas Day Top of the Pops, we are looking at the winner's circle of the year. Everything we see in this episode either got to number one or number two. So, you know, a lot of popular stuff here. And as we go through it, we'll be saying, why the fuck was this? in particular, so popular, I think. <laughs> when you compare this to the other Christmas Day episodes, it's not as zigzaggy as uh, the others. No, it's pretty... It, it's it's traditional, and it presents a very sort of official... I mean, like you say, it's purely numerically driven. Which mm. ones sold the most? And consequently, it's an extremely traditional view of 1977 music, and consequently, an authentic view of yeah. what was actually bubbling around the likes of my head, you know, age five. Yeah. Um, it's an authentic view of really what was just massively popular in that year. Mm. Come on, let's rip these presents open. <laughs> All of television history is contained in the box of delights. I've climbed up Nelson's column once before. These are small. And put it down in front of Backpuss. I'm Julia Rayside. Join me and my guests as we dip into our favourite TV memories. Suppose my head like this. You can't tell me what to do, you ain't my I love when a plan comes together. Come and tell us what yours are too. We've all been told we can't discuss nominations. It's a bit of car air. Shut up with a novel on the top. I think I like you, Lovejoy. Find us on Twitter at Box Delights Pod and listen wherever you get your podcasts. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. news today well charlie chaplin has just died in switzerland at the age of 88 Djibouti and vietnam are let into the united nations saturday night fever is at its world premiere in new york and star wars is about to be released in the uk in two days time elvis costello has been invited onto saturday night live in america after the sex pistols were refused a visa sings radio radio instead of less than zero without telling anyone and is banned from the show until 1989 oh elvis make sure you don't say anything else while you're out there mate <laughs> Nottingham Forest batter Man United 4-0 at Old Trafford to stay top of the first division for Christmas yes thank you Santa Dennis Healer the Chancellor of the Exchequer appears in the nationwide pantomime on BBC One with Norman Sinjin Stevens and Cyril Smith Rod Stewart slips on some flowers thrown on stage at a gig in the Cow Palace in San Francisco, smashes his face on a drum stool and breaks several teeth, and then him and his band (laughs) cause a riot on a British Airways plane home by smearing jam, butter and honey on the interior and starting a food fight. Cut. Wankers. Another contemporary band have been pilloried by the establishment for their outrageous opinions. Headline in the Daily Mirror this week. Ooh ah, Wurzels get a mangling. <laughs> by Jeffrey Lakeman. It reads, Ooh ah, those singing Wurzels' name stinks down on the farm. The rustic group from the West Country are giving people the wrong idea about farm workers. <laughs> Some people who listen to the Wurzels think we go round in corduroy trousers and red spotted handkerchiefs muttering ooh-ah, said farm workers leader Alf Warren yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> We're not all simple-minded cider-swigging yokels with straw in our hair. Alf! 58, of Winkley, Devon, has a practical objection to the Wurzels' image. As North Devon organiser for the Farm Workers' Union, he says that the image damages their chances of getting good pay rises. (laughs) One of the Wurzels' big hits was about a combine harvester, but Alf said a man driving one of those is in charge of £8,000 worth of machinery. Another of their records was Farmer Bill's Cowman, and Alf complained, it's all very well making jokes about dung, but cows are worth hundreds of pounds each. 
<laughs> the Wurzels manager, John Miles, said last night, the boys' act is a bit tongue-in-cheek. They really do admire country folk. Ooh, ah. <laughs> no, you didn't say who are. You should have done, though. <laughs> Fucking farmers. They're always yeah. moaning, man. Ban this rural filth. On the cover of The Enemy this week, Ian Jury and Dave Vanian. On the cover of the TV Times, Harry Seacombe, Bonnie Langford and Georgia Mildred carol singing. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah, lovely. Radio Times has an illustration of a village uh, that looks from a distance like a massive Christmas tree. It's very nice. Yeah. The number one LP at the moment, Disco Fever by various artists. The top five at the moment is all compilations and greatest hits. The highest new LP is Nevermind the Bollocks. Here's the Sex Pistols at number six. Over in America, the number one single, How Deep Is Your Love by the Bee Gees. And the number one LP in America is Simple Dreams by Linda Ronstadt. Oh, and the big news this week, of course, Santa's been. (laughs) So, dear boys, what were you doing? On Christmas Day, nineteen seventy-seven. Oh, I was. What did he bring you? He bought me. Um, I reckon it was Matchbox cars. A lot of them. Because uh, I was just obsessed with Matchbox cars. Just used to always Ooh. nag and pester my parents to get them. And I think I also got a track that year, a Matchbox Streak race track with. Oh yeah, the one with the loop. One of them. The one with the loop that yes. didn't really work. Um, I think one of my cars was an American police car, which was very useful, especially useful in in bath playtime to hone my excellent American accent, uh, because all my cars had voices, inevitably. I was into machinery quite a bit at that age, at age five. I think I had a Tonka Mm. toy as well. You know, I had fighter plane wallpaper, for Christ's sake. Um, I never had my car, no. I love my Lego. That was the year I deeply, deeply coveted and was envious of my cousin's um, Eagle Lander from Space 1999. But um, that was a choice toy, that was. But what the hell? Um, I was happy with my Matchbox cars, massively happy with my Matchbox street racetrack. Um, and this, I didn't really, I wasn't really into games at that age because this was obviously pre Astro Wars and all of that. But I never yeah. had a Tin Can Alley or a Crossfire. Crossfire no. always struck me as looking dangerous, to be honest with you. Um, mm. And I still probably rather childishly wanted a Frog Chorus. But you start clinging to childhood yeah. when you know it's going, don't you? And yes. uh, you know, I was, I was five. Time was getting on, so I knew, I knew time yeah. was passing. <laughs> but yeah, it was all about the cars, all about the cars. Because whenever I went to Coventry's finest toy shop at the time which is a place called Barnby's which are actually thousands in fact a whole generation of country people misremember that place as being called Barnaby's because of the popularity of Barnaby the Bear at the time it was actually called Barnby's and um that's 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 the Mandela effect. It's so called after the the way that everybody thinks they remember Nelson Mandela dying in prison in the nineteen eighties. You've heard uh-huh. about this, uh-huh. right? It's, it's another way for modern people to rather than face the fact that they're fucking pig ignorant. <laughs> uh, no, it can't be that. There must be some other explanation. Oh yeah, rather than me being pig ignorant and having no idea about history. 
there must be we must be living in a parallel universe. <laughs> That's much more likely. But the thing is, the thing is with the Barnabas Barnabas thing that is verifiable um, via photos. There's a deeper Coventry mm. mystery that starts coming into play uh, around about 1977 that I still don't know the answer to. And I, if I was ever asked to make a documentary film, it would be to solve this mystery. And that is that there is a round circular cafe in Coventry that is still there. And um, I am convinced, and several of my friends are convinced, that it rotated, that it spanned right. very, very slowly. Mm. I don't need to hear explanations or questions about how did the doors work or anything like that. I remember being sat in there and it moving. Now, loads of people do remember this, but also loads of people say it never moved. Um, to the point right. where I can't remember if I dreamt it or whether that time that I actually saw into its inner workings and saw big clockworky things was just <laughs> was just a dream, um, and it was just actually a janitor's closet or something. But um, <laughs> just a, a, one massive cog and one little one. Right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it probably it's probably a dream. But I do I distinctly remember sitting in this circular cafe and it revolving. But you know, as a five year old, you could potentially imagine that. I guess. And loads of people mm. do remember this distinctly, but loads of other people say, no, never revolved. You're talking out your ass. So I need to make a film or perhaps a podcast about this, mm. uh, about whether it did revolve the circular cafe in Coventry. And if any of the pop crazy youngsters are from Cov, I would be intrigued to know their opinions and memories as to whether this mm. cafe revolved or not. Yes. And you can see how it'd be a big draw, like a 360 degree view of Coventry. <laughs> The lower precinct, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, but it's, the thing is, it's uh, you. If you go in there now and you walk to the the, the centre of yeah, the, the of stem the disc, you should. If it ever revolved, you will see a line in the floor. Mm. Um, mm. Like if you go into what used to be the revolving restaurant in the post office tower. Uh, as I still call it, <laughs> yes. on one of the open so. days or something, you, you'll see there's a massive great line in the right. floor where the the outer bit that used to revolve is obviously not part of the same thing as the central yeah, column. Yeah. So there's like a there's still a, a, a tiny gap in the floor. So if that's not there, you would dream. <laughs> I need to go and have a look. It's a Cafe Nero now, but I, I really want to pursue it to the top. I want to go to the council house. I want to see blueprints. Yeah. I want to know. Taylor, yeah? Christmas Day, 1977. Tell me all. Well, having just said it's the age where you can suddenly remember things, <laughs> I can't remember. But I think it might have been the year uh, we got one of those binatone uh tennis yes pong games maybe not maybe that was a couple a year or two later but um the right era yeah around that time um and you know nowadays people say uh oh you know kids they don't know they're born they're sitting there playing you know red dead redemption too we were happy for hours just batting this (laughs) white square around a black screen no we weren't it it was as shit as it looks it was was, you've got about Ten minutes of like oh oh oh, and then it's just uh, it's just a square leaving a trail bouncing. But you just what you do or what I would do is eventually set it up so the two uh, quote bats <laughs> were level, and you could get it so that the thing was just going backwards and forwards like boop boop mm. boop, boop like a heart monitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just leave it on. See how long you could leave it on for. <laughs> uh, sort of slightly hypnotise mm. yourself, you know. Like That's that. what Simon enormous... did, but Simon was a bit more polyrhythmic with his, <laughs> of course. But the absolute worst thing to buy a kid on Christmas Day 
Because they're going to want to hook it up to the telly. Yeah, yeah. And, and deny their yeah. parents the joy of the black and white minstrel show or whatever's on. <laughs> and then, you know, you say, oh, God, turn this shit off. I want to watch telly. And then there's roaring and bloating in there. Mm. You know, a time before uh, portable televisions were yeah. uh, a regular thing in the house. <laughs> this was the year that I finally cottoned on to the fact, at the age of fucking nine, that Santa actually didn't really exist. Right. I have my suspicions. Oh, thank God none of us did that hack thing of going, what did you say? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. (laughs) Because me and my sister, the day before, we found a load of toys and stuff on the... uh, on top of me, uh, mum and dad's wardrobe. Mm. And even then we were right. going, oh man, but maybe Santa's just dropped them off here oh. beforehand. Um, <laughs> you know, to, just to save save the load and everything. And my sister actually, who was seven, you know, would said to me mum when she come home, oh, Santa's been already. My mum went fucking mental at us. Oh, mate. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, my main present that year was Ricochet Racers. Ooh. Spider-Man and Captain America Ricochet Racers, which was essentially a big gun that fired cars. Yeah, yeah. Just the ultimate 70s lad toy. (laughs) And uh, fuck knows why I wanted it, because I I hated (laughs) Spider-Man. Just used to swing around thinking he was summer. And I still hate him now, because he's either bragging on about being Spider-Man, or he's on top of a building being all emo. Mm. It's like a fuck off. <laughs> or pointing at himself in a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The problem was, it was a toy essentially made for American lads who lived in massive houses with parquet floors. <laughs> because you're supposed to pull the trigger on the gun and the car would fire out yeah. and it would jump through a ramp with a spider web at the top of it. But it certainly wasn't made for carpeted council houses in Nottingham. Because it would go about five inches and then just get tangled up. And uh, I couldn't use it at me nanas where we were going for Christmas Day because she didn't want her skirting boards dented up. <laughs> and uh, first time I took it outside, Captain America went straight down a fucking grate. Oh. And you couldn't even fire matchbox cars in it. And then in the end, around about, I think, the second week in January, I got into a row with a lad next door, Fatty Flynn. And I fired Spider-Man at his head. <laughs> uh, got done. So, so fuck Marvel is what I'm saying. Uh-huh. I think it was the advert. The advert made it look really good because, mm. you know, the theme tune was Ricochet Racers Keep Going. And it was a lie. <laughs> ricochet yeah. Racers go for about five inches and then get tangled up on your on your mum's carpet. Well, it was... Uh, yeah. I think you were suckered by it. I mean, because these were peak years of American cultural imperialism when it comes to toys, yes. really. Because I remember I remember the Batmobile and the Batboat being quite big Christmas purchases yes. this year as well. So that that was mm. in full swing, wasn't it? Yeah, and as for the day, we were around me uh, Nonor and Grandpa's on the other side of town. And of course, fucking Top of the Pops is on at two o'clock. Mm. So your mum's been up since five o'clock in the morning sorting out Christmas dinner wrestling with a fucking turkey and doing you know doing about 500 jobs at once and when it's all ready i'm just like oh ma'am i want to watch top of the pops <laughs> and so she'd kick off at me yeah christmas day was very stressful mm. and it was all top of the pops's fault yeah. i mean i say that we didn't watch this episode of top of the pops but there was a very good chance that we did for the simple fact that i know for a fact me dad and grandpa would go out to the pub uh, to get out of the way and invariably come back an hour late so, uh, yeah, we always used to have a bit of a late Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. So there's an exceedingly good chance I'd be sitting there with me uh, sister and me nonna, and my mum popping in every now and again, stressing the fuck out. <laughs> Bless her. 
I mean, nowadays, of course, you know, they still run Top of the Pops on Christmas Day. But because music's not important anymore, it's on at, what, 12 o'clock or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, they plonked it right in the middle of the uh, early afternoon schedule, which, you know, just ruined it for loads of kids. Yeah. I think the idea was it'd be something to have on in the background on the telly while you're having your Christmas dinner. Uh. But you can't not look at Top of the Pops when it's on. Well, no, I mean it's it's a bad bit of uh, scheduling, that really, isn't it? They should they should have Awful. either put it on sort of midday when mums and dads want kids out the fucking way so they can get the dinner sorted. Yes, or you know, much later in the Disney time slot, right about five, when you finish your Christmas yeah. dinner and you can chill out and watch. Um, yeah, bad scheduling. And of course, as, as we always say for Christmas, top of the pops. It's, it's a great way of getting the entire family to watch. Top of the Pops, hmm. and force them into your world for for an hour or so. Yeah, but as we'll see, it isn't, is it? it this episode no, isn't no. quite that. No. So, as we do on Chart Music, it is time to rip open a crate or two and go digging about for an issue of a pop magazine from this very week. And this time, I've managed to pull out the December the 24th, 1977 edition of Melody Maker. Shall we leaf through it, chaps? No. (laughs) No, On the cover is a huge illustration by Miles Emerson, which features the major players of 1977 arsing about in the snow. It features a massive Johnny Rotten looming over a block of flats, looking down on everyone. Malcolm McLaren looking out from the top window of a derelict house, looking very smug. To his right, Jake Riviera is lying unconscious on the roof, being tended to by two gnomes in Santa outfits. One says, I think he's frozen stiff. (laughs) Underneath Malcolm, the Clash are leaning against some graffiti which reads, No Santa, no Turkey, no L. (laughs) Think about it. In the middle... Elvis Presley is transmogrifying into Elvis Costello. Underneath a broken Victorian streetlight, members of the Damned, the Stranglers and the Adverts are carol singing. Isn't that nice? Behind them, Paul Weller and Bruce Foxton are jumping impossibly high into the air. In the bottom middle, Ian Jure standing in a pile of empty beer cans. Behind him, Sid Vicious on his hands and knees chasing a Santa gnome with a broken bottle in his hand. And in the foreground at bottom right, David Bowie is walking away from the scene, looking behind him disdainfully. (laughs) Oh, and in a strip down the left-hand side, the main news story, Talking Heads to Tour. They'll be playing 20 gigs in the UK in January, supported by Dire Straits. And also there's a picture of Graham Lewis, a 30-year-old local government officer from Middlesbrough who was one offender Telecaster Deluxe and offender Twin Standard Amp in a Melody Maker competition. He's pictured brandishing them in a suit with massive flares, which is very <laughs> off-trend for December 1977. Yeah, offender Telecaster Deluxe, two humbuckers, that's not a real, that's not a real Telecaster. Oh, okay. (laughs) In the news, The Who, described as an ageing beat group, play an impromptu gig at the Kilburn Gaumont as part of the filming for their forthcoming movie, The Kids Are All Right. 
horse lips have been arrested in Nuremberg during a tour of Germany when they are accidentally mistaken for members of the Bader-Meinhof gang. (laughs) (laughs) Barcelona has just hosted Spain's first ever punk rock festival featuring local bands but sadly not lost punk rockers and are showing films of the Sex Pistols. Talking of whom, the Pistols UK tour is dragging on, beset with cancellations and mither. The gig at Wolverhampton was cancelled due to Johnny Rotten teching badly, and the one at the Bamboo Club in Bristol was nixed when the club blew up last Sunday morning. (laughs) (laughs) And George Harrison has played his first gig in years when he pitched up at a small country pub near his home in Berkshire with a guitar. Oh, God. The features, well, Chris Welch nips up to Uxbridge to catch a rare gig on the Sex Pistols tour, which actually happened. He describes it as an extraordinary event, which will be long remembered where air old Pistolians gather to reminisce and exchange antique safety pins. Meanwhile, Chris Brazier is dispatched to Wolverhampton to check out Glenn Matlock and the Rich Kids as they begin their tour and starts by telling us how shocked and appalled he and Caroline Coon were when Matlock told them that he really liked the Bay City Rollers after a gig at the 100 Club in the summer of 1976. In an interview after the gig, Matlock tells Brazier that Johnny Rotten could be a right cunt at times. He knew right from the off that Sid Vicious was being groomed as his replacement and he didn't care because he wanted to leave anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Ray Coleman gets to chip over to New York to talk to Herbie Hancock about his crossover to jazz funk, his new side job as a writer of advert jingles and his forthcoming acoustic tour with Chick Corea. I'd love to know what adverts Herbie Hancock did. I thought you were going to tell us, actually, Al. They're tasty, tasty, very, very tasty. I think that was one of those. (laughs) Meanwhile, David Byrne tells the maker that him and Talking Heads are well up for their forthcoming tour of the UK, as the Brits get what they're going on about immediately, while Americans have to go home and talk about it with their mates before they decide whether they like it or not. Yes. (laughs) And Chris Brazier and Ray Coleman have an argument about the Clash gig at the Rainbow last week. Brazier contends that the Clash are speaking for, with and from working class youth and they're too important to be playing barns like the Rainbow, while Coleman says, believe me, the searchers were better. (laughs) Both of them rave on about Sham 69. I think Chris Brazier very much has the sense that this is his moment. (laughs) (laughs) Tell you what, in in 40 years, no one will forget the name of Chris Brazier. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that they're both rappling on about um, Sham 69 shows how, well, how 78 is going to go, isn't it? Mm, Yes. On the singles page, well, Chris Brazier is on reviewing duty, and because it's Christmas week, it's a meagre crop. All the kids are saying to him, go on, Chris Brazier, tell it like it is. (laughs) Singles of the week are the French and German language versions of Heroes by David Bowie, which he describes as one of the most divine singles of this or any other year. The runner-up for single of the week, on the other hand, Call Me Buona by Johnny G. (laughs) Video playlist, everyone. However, 
It's a coke down four. It's going to be a punk rock Christmas by the Ravers. <laughs> it is hard to believe that anyone could conceive a single this crass and moronic, he says. Equally short shrift is given to the 12 days of Christmas by Jasper Carrot. Oh, mm. man, that must hurt your two. Oh, yeah, local hero. <laughs> <laughs> Top Hole and Naja Salam's cover of Love Song, sung in Hebrew and Arabic in commemoration of the peace summit between Sadat and Begin, leaves Brazier undecided whether it's a nice idea or a cash-in. Fucking hell, different times. Mm. High Rise Living by Chelsea, their comeback single after splitting up in the summer, is a crushing disappointment. Gene October swears that this is going to crash into the top 20, but there's not a smack addict's kid's chance at life of that happening, he says. Uh-huh. And he was right. Yeah. What was he expecting? Disappointment. What does he think it was going to sound like? <laughs> John Christie's Here's to Love is Radio One Fodder, a sloppy nostalgia love song sandwiched between strains of old Lang Syne, produced by Dave Clark, who always churned out bilge. And a review of Dreams of the Everyday Housewife by Glenn Campbell consists of a quote from Catcher in the Rye and the words, Glenn Campbell has one of the phoniest, gee, your wonderful showbiz smiles and songs in the universe. It's so easy, isn't it, to tear things down? But what's he offering as an alternative, this uh, mm, this cool carny yeah. of his day, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah, thank God Mark Chapman didn't read that review, eh? <laughs> In the LP section, the main review is given over to Don Juan's Reckless Daughter by Joni Mitchell, and Michael Watts is not impressed. With commendable adventure, she has spread herself over four sides of this album, but she has neither moved forward nor consolidated the success of Hadra or the hissing of Summer Lawns. She is a magician, but a fallible one. Wrong. It makes it sound like Tommy Cooper, that does. <laughs> Quarter Moon in a Ten Cent Town by Emmy Lou Harris is described as standard fare by Michael Oldfield, while Colin Irwin likes Running on Empty by Jackson Brown. It's a thumbs up for Rick Danko by Rick Danko and Levon Helm and the RCO All-Stars by Levon Helm and the RCO All-Stars, the new import LPs from members of the band in the wake of their split-up and the two latest installations of Charlie's legendary Sun Performances compilation series, this time featuring Warren Smith and Billy Lee Riley. And Robin Graydon mourns the demise of man and describes their sign-off LP, All's Well That Ends Well, as powerhouse rock all the way and a fitting memento to a rocking band. (laughs) (laughs) On the gig page, and it is only a page because it's Christmas week, well, David could have seen David Essex at the Dominion, Elvis Costello and the pop group at the Nashville, Status quo at Louis Shimodian, Lulu and Mud at the Rainbow, Rick Wakeman at the Wembley Conference Centre, or Sham 69 at the Roxy, but probably didn't. Taylor could have seen the Steve Gibbons band at Barbarella's and be disappointed hmm. that it wasn't Steve's Gibbon band, of course. Yeah, precisely, yeah. Deaf School at Barbarella's, the Ramones at the Birmingham Top Rank, or Whirlwind at the Golden Eagle. But I want to see Lulu and Mud at the <laughs> Rainbow. 
Neil could have seen the Doctors of Madness at the Coventry Locarno and fuck all else. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Al would have had to have stayed in because there were no gigs in Nottingham that week and watched Fun in Acapulco with Elvis on BBC One. Elton John in the Muppets show on ATV and the Kinks Christmas show on the old Grey Whistle Test on BBC Two. Simon would be similarly fucked as there are no listings in Wales, so he'd have to make do with David Soul and friends, including Donna Summer on BBC One, Golden Hits of the Monkeys on BBC One and Christmas with the Osmonds also on BBC One. And Sarah could have nipped down to Ivanhoe's in Huddersfield on Christmas Day for a Christmas party for the kids of striking firefighters put on by the Sex Pistols. Oh, Sarah would have won. (laughs) Could have had a bit of trifle with Sid Vicious. (laughs) Played Flap the Fish with Malcolm. Just prior to being born. (laughs) Yeah. In the letters page, well... The main topic of discussion is the Musicians' Union mooting the idea of charging band members a tenner each this year to play gigs. Mike Brown of Newbury claims that the biggest fee his six-piece band ever earned was £15 all-in, and the new fee will kill off new bands and turn every venue into discos. After a Melody Maker feature on Do's and Don'ts for new bands, which claimed that a telephone was more important than guitar strings, someone from the Group Phone Cooperative in London points out that it can take up to four months to get a new phone line installed and costs a packet. Fucking hell, different times. Mm. They then promote their service, which allows bands to share a phone line for bookings and whatnot, and invites people to contact them so they can set up something similar in their home town sound oh that do it yourself <laughs> like it ms collins of colchester mourns the recent death of rasan roland kirk while malcolm oliver of dagenham asks melody maker to compile a chart of the best and worst b-sides in the top 30 and bernard welch of harrow Weald says thank god for cliff In this era of violence and safety pins, how refreshing, indeed reassuring, it was to read the interview with Cliff Richard in Melody Maker. Thank God for singers and musicians, whether Christians or others who have not yet had the pleasure of meeting Christ, who, rather than grovelling in the gutter, uttering pseudo-street songs, or issuing drivel in offensive packages, are committed to promoting only the best in music and entertainment. Who else will stand firm with Cliff in championing the cause of real truth, beauty and excellence in today's charts? Who indeed? 48 pages, 15p. I never knew there was so much in it. I can't imagine who would have been reading Melody Maker in 1977 over the Yeah, A&E. they they were kind of like third place in the rush for punk, were they? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And still being a little yeah, bit think, snarky about it, I feel. Yeah, I think like, I think it was just that. it was just Caroline Coon. Um, yeah, and everybody else was just like, "Lol, you're joking." 
Uh, mm. there's, there's a good six years left in, in Genesis yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was on telly this day? Well, BBC One start the day at 8.55am with Star Over Bethlehem, where seven countries are brought together by satellite to big up baby Jesus. Then it's Playboard with Christopher Lillicrap. Followed by a Christmas appeal by Michael Benteen, who wants us all to chip in a million quid to restore the west front of Wells Cathedral. Then it's over to All Saints Parish Church in Kingston-upon-Thames for Christmas worship. After the cartoon The Bear Who Slept Through Christmas, it's the 1944 film National Velvet, where Elizabeth Taylor wins a horse in a raffle and Mickey Rooney helps her to win the Grand National on it. Just before Top of the Pops, it's a second chance to see the 1976 Christmas special of Are You Being Served, where the male employees of Grace Brothers compete to be that year's store Santa. BBC Two don't even bother to start until a quarter to one with Sing All Ye Faithful, where four separate choirs hold a Church of England sound clash in St Mary's College in Strawberry Hill. Then it's News Review, the weekly news recap show for the deaf and hard and hearing, who takes the week off and goes to Switzerland with some kids instead. They're just about to start The World About Us, where David Attenborough looks at some American wolves, bears and eagles in The Predators. ITV kick off at 8.45 with a Christmas carol concert from Wells Cathedral again. (laughs) And after a quarter of an hour of cartoons, it's Christmas Day Mass from the Church of Our Lady in St Oswins in Tynemouth. Then, the National Children's Home in Bramhope has to put up with Jimmy Tarbuck for a merry morning (laughs) with the assistance of Tina Charles and the Wurzels, spreading lies about the honest farmhand, no doubt. After another 15 minutes of cartoons, it's the 1972 film Robinson Crusoe and the Tiger, which is essentially Robinson Crusoe, but with more tigers in it. (laughs) They're currently 10 minutes into William's Worst Christmas, the hour-long Just William Christmas special. I'd have been up for that, but up against Top of the Pops, no fucking chance. Can I just say, this repeated mention of Wells Cathedral and uh, the million quid they need, I'm just going to leave this phrase here. People with empty stomachs beg to differ. I'd be proud to know them, to be honest with you. Sermon over at last. (laughs) Way to to ease in the new listeners there. Hey, no, man. No, we don't put the tip in, man. We thrust it all in. All right, me dears, the first window of the Advent calendar has been opened and we're going to leave it there and we'll come back here tomorrow to get stuck into this episode. But remember, if you're one of the Pop Craze Patreons and you're dobbing in $5, you're getting the whole lot in one go. Om nom nom nom. So I'll just say... Merry Christmas, Taylor Parks. Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 Neil Kulkarna. Ho, ho, ho. I will see you in a bit. (laughs) Chart music. GreatBigOwl.com Great Big Owl. What? Great Big Owl. Stop saying that. What about Great Big Owl? It's a family of podcasts. Ooh. Who's in this family? Well, there's Rule of Three, that's us. (laughs) There's Brian and Roger. 
Hi, Roger. It's Brian. There's the The One Show Show. There's oh, nowhere else nice. you would find a, a four or five minute film about Pine Martins. Yes. Without a sight of one Pine Martin at all in the film. There's Barry and Angelos. Oh, uh, Gooch, Gooch, Chooch. Yeah. Remember that lovely one. And there's Smirchpod. Who do you eat first? I think we know. <sighs> well, I know. I don't know if I'd want to eat Lazenby. Basically, look for Great Big Owl on your pod, what's it? Good idea. Have we got a sting? Owls don't sting.